Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Mitch Kupchak taking questions. We don't have an answer yet on who they're going to take number two overall, but we do know it is between two guys. That is for sure. Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. Will one of those players be the next Charlotte Hornet? Who between those two guys will be the next Charlotte Hornet? Or Zion. Uh, Maybe Zion, too. It's a great (laughs) point. It's a great point. With that, it's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It could be Zion. Mitch Kupchak, taking questions earlier, did say that you'd be surprised of the players mentioned in trade offers to try to get to the number two overall pick. So maybe we can speculate and try to figure out what stars are on the table for the Charlotte Hornets to trade for. Plenty of audio to comb through once we get that sorted out. We have some right now. Going to try to get more as the show goes on because Mitch Kupchak spoke to media at 11 o'clock. Just wrapped up, I believe, I don't even know, 20 minutes ago, something like that. It went a decently long time. Talked about fit versus better player. Classic conversation that we're having. We also talked a little bit more about who is that going to who's that guy going to be? Brandon Miller character issues did refuse to comment on that, but that was something that was asked about Mitch Kupchak. Who's going to have final say over this first round draft selection? We have a lot to get to. We might as well pull up to the scene right now and get off the bus. Go ahead and open up the doors, Fitty. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. If you are looking for what kind of faith fans have in the Charlotte Hornets to get this thing right, Jack just wrote in on the text line, 704-570-9610. Walk, don't be oblivious, bro. You know Mitch is going to draft Miller, then trade him to OKC for some 2027 first-round draft (laughs) picks. No, yes, that might be true, but he's also going to try to acquire as many second-round draft picks as possible. He's going to get 10 of those things. Think about the value. How many second-round picks can you get with the second overall pick? That is what I want to see Mitch Kupchak do. I want to see what he can turn that into. Wes, we were asking about the Vegas odds because there were plenty of reports coming in. Jake Fisher let us off yesterday. Yahoo Sports. Hornets are leaning more towards Brandon Miller being that selection. And then I got home. I started watching SportsCenter. I think it was about 6 o'clock, something like that. Adrian Wojnarowski, he reports that the Hornets are focused on Brandon Miller being that selection. Kept looking at the odds. The odds still favored Scoot Henderson, but they were coming down a little bit. Those guys were getting closer. Now, if you look at it, I just checked 15 minutes ago. Brandon Miller is a considerable favorite to be the second overall selection. How are you feeling? Minus, How does that make you feel? Well, I'm coming to terms with it. <laughs> um, Brandon Miller is now at minus 470. Scoot is at plus 230. 
to be oh. the second overall pick. Yeah, that's pretty considerable. It is considerable, and they flipped. I mean, these things just flipped, right, because it was about 220-something like that, maybe even got to minus 150 for Scoot Henderson, and then Brandon Miller did become the favorite. But Mitch Kupchak says it's still coming down between both of those guys, so we don't know for sure yet. But a lot of people ran with this report from Woj. I just referenced it. I'll let him tell it to you as I heard it on ESPN. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday on who the Hornets are focused. I'm told that Alabama's Brandon Miller further solidified uh, his standing as Charlotte's choice at number two with a workout uh, in meetings he had in Charlotte yesterday. This is the first time Michael Jordan, uh, the outgoing majority owner in Charlotte, had a chance to watch Miller in person to sit down and meet with him. And both Miller and Scoot Henderson uh, came back to Charlotte for second workouts. Uh, second meetings, and I'm told Miller was better the second time around uh, in that environment than he had been the first time, and certainly positionally, uh, Miller's advantage over Scoot Henderson in Charlotte uh, is that they've got a point guard in LaMelo Ball in Charlotte, who they believe is a franchise-level point guard, and, and right now, uh, Brandon Miller continues to be the focus uh, for the Hornets at number two. What do you make of the report there from Adrian Wojnarowski that they're focusing on Brandon Miller? Well, you know Woj, man. He always delivers the goods. But I think it's uh, starting to come to fruition that they're going to take Brandon Miller. Uh, it concerns me a little bit that he had a, quote, better workout with Jordan watching him. I just so you, wonder yeah, why. Yeah, you've talked about that. Why is yeah, that? Yeah, I just wonder why. And different people, you're going through different things every day you know what i'm saying you never know what people are going through but i'm just like how is it the first time you came through you didn't put on a show like don't you know like this is for the number two pick and the fact that he had a better workout and they said that he looked more engaged defensively out that that just concerns me a little bit because i'm like okay so mike shows up now now you're locked in now you're ready to go why weren't you ready to go from the first workout like I don't necessarily want a player at number two that I have to kick in the pants to get him going. And it felt like Michael Jordan watching him was like a proverbial kick in the pants and he had a better workout. I feel like you know you're coming to a team that has the number two pick. This is your future at stake. Why wouldn't you put on a show first go round? The, the one excuse that you can give Brandon Miller is that he did battle mono. So when people were discussing okay. why he was not well conditioned, certainly compared to Scoot, one, Scoot is in every athletic category going to outperform one Brandon Miller, but also having mono is not going to hurt him. The shot making apparently was better for Brandon Miller the second time around. The shot making was a little worse, apparently, for Scoot Henderson the second time around. I heard Jonathan Gavoni talk about this. I believe it was with Zach Lowe. Maybe it was on SportsCenter as well. But Gavoni, the ESPN NBA draft analyst, he said that Scoot was two for two on just a great job in the workout, just like blowing it out of the water. And Brandon was really one of two the second time he performed better than he did the first. You just heard that from Adrian Wojnarowski. So I wonder if, okay, if Mitch Kupchak is known for putting a lot of stock in workouts, Scoot blows Brandon out of the water twice and Brandon the second time performs better so maybe that's not the right phrase to go with when they came back in on Monday a couple days ago. I wonder how much stock that's going to hold for Michael who was in appearance and also Mitch Kupchak. Let's go to the Rod Boone soundbite of Charlotte of the Charlotte Observer. He joined Mac and Bone yesterday to discuss the difference between Brandon Miller and Scoot and why one guy might be a better fit for Charlotte but it's different between the fans. 
I feel like both players make this team better. Um, if you're asking probably who is maybe the quote-unquote better fit, it may be Brendan Miller only because what I've been told from people who know stuff better than me, his game going to the NBA will be immense because that six. Seven, eight, nine, whatever he is, he can play three or four positions. He also, I guess, is a very, very good passer. So he could be number two on the team behind Lamelo Ball in terms of assists and whatnot. So it's hard to kind of say again which one is the, is the better of the two. But probably the better fit is Brendan Miller. But the more exciting player for the fans is probably Scoot. Yeah, I have a problem with that distinction, too, just because it feels like we're trying to pigeonhole Scoot as only an exciting player and not a good one. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What do you make of the whole better fit? Because this is something I've always disputed. What do you say about the better fit narrative with Brandon Miller? Do you think he is the better fit with Charlotte? Or do you think Scoot could come in and really help out this team alongside LaMelo also? Well, we just talked about how the the big wing in the NBA is always the player that teams covet. We heard... Uh, talking about yesterday how teams covet this all over the world, apparently. But uh, when you look at the, the stats that he's put up, the 18 points a game, the 85% from the free throw line, the almost 40% from three, and you translate that to the NBA with more spacing, no zones, things of that nature, a little bit more freedom offensively. He's going to get a bit of a green light because he's the number two pick, even though I know Coach Cliff uh, plays no games with the rookies. But I could see that because Scoot's already been playing in the G League, which is more of an NBA-style game when you talk about the spacing and and all those things, pace of play, whereas college basketball is a bit different. And you see guys all the time, no better example than the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, who in college was a really good player, but once he got to the league, got the freedom, played with the different spacing, the pace of NBA play, he turned into an absolute monster. No way am I saying that Brandon Miller is going to become that, but when you look at a guy that's already putting up solid numbers, 19 points a game, as I said, with those percentages in a college game where it's a more compressed court, you would think when he gets to the NBA, especially the pace and the way the Hornets like to pass and dish and all those things, that and playing with a point guard like LaMelo Ball that can get him so many easy shots on top of ones that he can get on his own, you would like to think that he could definitely turn into a 20-point-per-game score sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, if, if Brandon Miller comes in, I think he is going to have a floor that you feel very good about, and it's really all revolving around his shooting. That's what it revolves around. The guy is really weak right now. Even before he had mono, he's not strong. You see him get bumped off of his spot a lot. It doesn't mean that he's scared driving to the rim, in my opinion, but guys will stay in front of him. He is tall enough to shoot over some of those college defenders in the SEC. I don't know how much that's going to help in the NBA when you have taller defenders, but it's still going to help when you're a 6'9 wing. It's just not going to be to the same effect that you were able to use that at Alabama. One thing I will caution people when you talk about the differences in systems from college to the NBA is that Nate Oates runs an NBA-style system. In fact, he is the most NBA-oriented head coach in college basketball, I would say, right now, with the way that he gravitates more towards advanced stats. Brandon, everybody else, 
else with the Crimson Tide. Three-pointers, shots at the rim, free throws. That's what they live and die on. He had a lot of spacing to work with because you're also talking about guys like Clowney and other prospects moving up to the NBA. It's not just Brandon. They had a really talented crew. G League Ignite, they had John Jenkins, which is a great SEC name from yesteryear, great shooter at Vanderbilt. And then it really wasn't a whole lot of other shooters at G League. And so I do think it's actually kind of flipped with the compression in the but G League. But just to the, the zone, they play way more zone in college. Um, I mean, Alabama just played an NBA system. What do you mean, just like college? I'm just saying the college defenses, though, they play way more zones. So it's definitely different from the NBA in the way that they defend. Like, a lot of teams run a lot of zones. Well, yeah, NBA NBA will go zone, too. And I guess I, did, I don't know how many zone defenses Brandon Miller went through. I didn't attack. I didn't watch any of those games as far as, okay, this is what he did versus man-to-man. Mm-hmm. This is what he did versus zone. So maybe that's true. I just know if we're talking NBA systems, Nate Oates has that all up in Tuscaloosa. 704-5. 570-9610. We have a bunch of people writing in on the text line. Rob said, I don't agree with G League being better indication of NBA ready player. There is zero pressure whatsoever in the G League. It's glorified AAU. No crowds, no media attention. Uh, Bud Lightyear said, let's be honest, in our heart of hearts, we always knew this was coming. Also, Scoot is going to go to the Miami Heat. If he goes to the Miami Heat, people are not going to be happy here <laughs> in Charlotte. That is for sure. 704 said, who has has Michael Jordan ever drafted? I mean, there are reports about him wanting Frank Kaminsky. There are the reports about him wanting Cody Zeller in the draft. And so he's meddled at times. I'm not going to get that too twisted. Uh, continuing to scroll down here, people were talking about how Brandon Miller was getting over a sickness. Yeah, he, it, it looks like signs are pointing towards him being the pick. One thing I wanted to mention before we start to dive a little more into Mitch Kupchak's comments. Last year was eerily similar to what we were going what we're going through this year where everybody including Adrian Wojnarowski the day of the draft he tweeted out that it is increasingly likely the draft order goes Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Boncaro and then as the afternoon rolled in the Vegas odds were changing ever more so and then we got the tweet from Woj himself saying Paolo Boncaro was going to be the number one pick and the odds flipped right before the draft actually happened. I will say, it is interesting if Charlotte isn't giving a ton of information out there and Mitch Kupchak even said they haven't notified any agents as to who they're taking, even with some kind of a roundabout way how these reporters are trying to get information it's not coming from the Hornets, it seems like. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's coming from the team right now. And with already a massive screw-up from journalists, which is fine, all you can do is report the information you get. up. This isn't an attack on Gavoni. just saying they were wrong last year. Quite yeah. literally, they were wrong up until the moment of the draft. I wonder if that happens twice. That's my question. What's the likelihood of that for you, Wes, before we move on? Um, it could happen. There's no doubt about it because as, you, as we've talked about, the Hornets have kept things close to the vest, still don't necessarily buy into any report that we hear to this point outside of we just talked about the odds. So that's something that's uh, to be noted. But other than that, uh, it could still change. We still don't know. I still don't feel secure yeah. which one they're going to take. I don't feel secure, but certainly signs are pointing one way. We're All insecure right. here. You know, it's it's always weird when the intro goes off. It goes to show you it's time to move on. So <laughs> that's exactly what we'll do. Mitch Kupchak spoke to media. We have some audio. We'll get to that in just a moment and give you everything he had to say. It's coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio. 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Discussing even during the NBA draft conversation we've had leading up to the second overall pick tomorrow for the Charlotte Hornets, what have been the most obvious selections at the time that your favorite team just said, no, we're good. We're going to pass on that guy. I'm not saying that's here with Scoot and Brandon, but we were talking about the Brooke Lopez, DJ Augustine conversation. It was Colin in here before he left and the Bobcats decided to go with DJ Augustine. And everybody at home that was a Charlotte fan could not wait for them to draft the center that was Brooke Lopez. Still playing, by the way, and also a top 10 defensive player in the league still in the year 2023. And we're like, now nah, let's go for DJ Augustine. Yeah, man. I remember being on the phone with my homeboy during that pick and we were sitting there like, man, let's take Brooke Lopez. <laughs> so, they need I, to take Brooke Lopez. Crazy. Nope. It was it was insane. That was crazy. The other guy that I was thinking of was when the New York Knicks selected Ronaldo Balkman. I'm sorry to the South Carolina fans. He was very, very good at South Carolina. But when Isaiah Thomas decided to go with Ronaldo Balkman in the first round and people didn't even expect him to get drafted, I was really surprised about that one. But you have caped, Fiddy, for both of those guys before. Those are your guys, DJ Augustine and Ronaldo Balkman. Dude, me and Colin actually on the phone last night, and I was talking again about the the love affair I had for DJ Augustine, a small guard that that could come off, you know, could come off the bench and mm-hmm. and, and do some really great things. And then with 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 Balkman, like the guy had a role, <laughs> which was to provide energy, okay. rebound, and really foul people and foul people very hard. Yeah, I'm trying to look at his foul rate. We we can give you more foul rate stuff a little bit later on. Perhaps we don't focus on Ronaldo Balkman foul rate convo when yeah. we have the second overall pick. Hey, dude, yesterday <laughs> we did Damian Jones' sports reference page. This should be the new theme of the show. We focus on important stuff. Late first round picks and how they fizzle out in their career. That's what we focus on. And then every once in a while, we'll talk about Scoot and we'll talk about Brandon Miller. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text us at 704-570-9610. And also come out and join us Thursday night at Thomas Davis's New Bar and Restaurant, 1058, as WFNZ celebrates the Charlotte Hornets in their number two overall draft pick. Stop by, hang out with us as we take you through the night with food and drink specials, special prizes, and a live broadcast. And by the way, the prizes are very good. I'll go ahead and say awesome, even though Fiddy gets mad at me sometimes for using that word. These are awesome. These are crazy, man. How about a LaMelo Ball-signed All-Star jersey? That's a great prize right there, man. Yeah. I'm almost like, hey, Colin, 
can we go ahead and rig this thing? Can this be scripted for me to win this? But we're going to be people of the people. We're going to make sure the people get what they want. Also, some Mark Williams memorabilia as well. We've got some great prizes for you. It's this Thursday night, tomorrow, at the Bar and Restaurant, 1058, located at 430 West 4th Street, starting at 6 and heading through the night, only from your sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Last thing before we dive into this audio, speaking of 1058, going to talk more about that at 1.30 with the dude who owns the bar. How about Thomas Davis going to be hopping on with us Coming at 30 to talk about the Carolina Panthers offseason was actually out there. Frank Reich asked him to give a speech, talk about their identity. The message embodies the keep pounding mantra as much as anybody with the Carolina Panthers. So very cool. Looking forward to speaking with Thomas Davis. All right, let's hear from Mitch Kupchak spoke to media at 11 o'clock. So really just finishing up um, about 30 minutes ago, a little bit more than that. And Mitch Kupchak told you who makes the final call between he and Michael Jordan, who is still serving as majority stake owner. You know, I'll make the pick. Now, Michael is still in control and will be in control of the club through the draft and through free agency. Uh, At some point in time, there will be a transition. But having said that, Michael's here. The new ownership has been here, will be here. They both will have, you know, spent time here. And, you know, Michael will and I will completely talk to them, get their feelings, you know, and their opinions. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some spirited debates, you know, if it's different. And I would hope, you know, and Michael's done this to me in the past, even though he's agreed with what I'm going to do, you know, he'll always just, you know, play devil's advocate just to get the debate going. So I assume that will take place as well. Um, you know, we will not operate in a vacuum. You know, the, the new owners will be in the loop. New owners will be in the loop. Michael Jordan going to debate with them just in the healthy debate scenario. Hopefully Michael doesn't win those debates. But, <laughs> but Michael's still going to play devil's advocate. He's going to have heavy influence. But Mitch Kupchak is going to make the final call. What do you make of that soundbite and some of the reporting coming out? Uh, It's not anything different than what I thought it would be, but Michael playing devil's advocate. I wonder, I guess, does he draw from his own playing experiences when he decides to be the devil's advocate? Is he like, well, what if this guy gets into the league and this happens? And what if he comes in and that happens and things of that nature? So I think that's healthy to go over, but I just feel like by the time you get to this point, the number two pick shouldn't be much debate at all, I feel like, by the time the draft starts. But... The rest of the picks, I could see uh, there being spirited debate and them having to really uh, dig deep to figure out who they want to take, depending on how the draft falls. 704 number wrote in, this is a no-brainer. Ask Jordan who he wants and then take the other guy. Logo 704 (laughs) said, Michael got no business debating. Uh, Juan is a big Brandon Miller fan, and he's talked about how he led the number one team in college basketball start to finish, sold out arenas, and Scoot's only playing against guys like LiAngelo in the G League. (sighs) Okay, G League has guys that were fantastic in college and haven't quite made that jump in the NBA. So it's not like he's playing against scrubs in the NBA. Juan also did write, dude, the Hornets drafted George Zedek. That still haunts me. I remember that. <laughs> so, um, the other clear draft misses in real time, 704 rode in when the Panthers took Greg Little over DK Metcalf. I didn't see that one as badly. I knew they wanted, I needed a left tackle in my life for Carolina. Yeah. I had been tired of waiting. 
But DK Metcalf, that would have been fantastic as well. And for uh, Chad from North Belmont writing in, enough about pick number two. What are your thoughts about the other four picks? We have a soundbite. Hold on. We'll get to that a little bit later on. All right, so that's Mitch Kupchak talking about whether he'll make the final decision and how much influence still majority stake owner Michael Jordan will have. There's been a big conversation about best player available versus best fit available. Brandon, assumingly being the best fit, and Scoot being the better player in a lot of people's minds, but still some nuance there as far as how people see it. Here's Mitch Kupchak when considering fit with the second overall draft pick. I think several years ago, it wasn't a factor at all, okay, as far as fit. You know, you we're always going to just take the best player. And I would say that's still the case today. Although we are closer to a point in time where we would consider fit, but we're not that team that's been in the playoffs for three or four years. And, you know, you're looking to tweak a roster and look for fit. We're, we're not at that place right now. So our decision, you know, is going to remain to be, you know, looking for the player that we think is going to have the best overall career. These comments are a lot better than what we heard the first time. These are a lot more pointed in what he's thinking with more clarity. It's not crystal clear, but you do have more clarity. They think they're closer at considering fit. When last time he spoke, he said, you know, we, we can consider it a lot now. And it had a lot of people, even national NBA pundits, tweeting out there, hey, you can't consider this. Take best player available. This seems a little more pointed, and he is telling you they are going to take the best player available. Now, when we talk about some of this stuff, last year you needed a center. And so, yeah, you could have both worlds collide in a best fit versus best player available. Those things could combine. And so I, I got them taking Jalen Duran, Mark Williams eventually taking Jalen, trading him, right? I wanted a center at the spot they were selecting in last year's NBA draft. So sometimes you have to consider it, okay? If you have three good point guards, you can't just keep loading up. But the Hornets are not in that situation. Are you comforted at all with what Mitch Kupchak said right there? Yeah, I think that him admitting that they're not in a position to necessarily draft fit, I think that is a, a good thing because I feel like overall, regardless, you should always take the better player. Like if you have a guy that you really feel like now, if it's close and they play different positions, I get it. And if you feel like that the potential of each one of them at their position, if you feel like, okay, this guy could be a top five center and this guy could be a top five point guard and then you have your choice between those two, that's fine. But if the guy's considerably better, if you like this guy could maybe be a top 15 center, but this guy could be one of the best point guards in the league, then you draft a better player and make it work. I mean, nobody's ever going to get mad at a team for having too many good players, especially in this era of positionless basketball. Well, and yeah, we can also go to teams drafting for fit over best player available in late lottery, which is where the Hornets were selecting last year, but not at number two. At number two, if there is someone that even has a little bit more of a gap between them. If you're that high in the draft, that is the time to swing for the fences, right? I mean, how many more opportunities are you going to get to draft that high and take that swing for the fences to get the guy with the highest ceiling possible? Well, an example we haven't brought up as well when you talk about positional fit was Darko and Carmelo. Oh, man. That might be the worst ever. Even with there being more egregious misses than that? (laughs) 
that one never made sense to people. Joe Dumars was so hell-bent on taking Darko. Like, no, you guys don't know. Trust me. Right. Watch. You wait and see. That team. He thought he had dirt. That team won a championship the year after. Imagine if they had Carmelo. Oh, what? That could have been a, a dynasty. What in the real. world? What in the world, man? Yes, you are totally right about that. Jabril from Charlotte said, we can never forget Michael drafted Adam Morrison, too. So, yeah, there are a couple I don't people. necessarily hold that against him, man. I okay. thought Adam Morrison was going to be good. He was a baller in college, man. People forget that. After the fact, uh, it's a lot of hindsight mm-hmm. with Adam Morrison, man, because I remember when he lit up Memphis. Because, you know, you, you get the white guy out there balling against the athletic NBA-type brothers, talking trash. I, I liked Adam Morrison, so I, I'm not going to hold that against him. Yeah, they had uh, Tyrus Thomas drafted fourth, who would eventually become a Charlotte Bobcat, and Paul Silas, RIP, put him in a locker. Sheldon Williams was the fifth overall selection. The real miss there was Brandon Roy, who retired early, only played six years in the NBA, but yeah. was a problem, as yes. the kids say, back when he was playing some NBA basketball. So that's the fit conversation. I do want to talk about this soundbite as well. They had both Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson back in yesterday for final workouts before they make this decision. And it was really because ownership was in town. They wanted Michael to be able to see both guys. Here's Mitch talking about, though, how they can't overthink this pick with the inclusion of the second workout. Yeah, there is, especially in the last week, right? When you bring players in a second time and you know you got to be careful like I said that that you don't discount everything that you've seen over the last year and you just base your final decision on a workout or a 12 13 minute interview we've interviewed these kids in Chicago we've brought them in here extensively but during the second workouts you only get to spend you know 15 20 minutes so you got to be careful What's your thoughts on Mitch Kupchak's comments there about not overthinking the second workout stuff? Because, and yeah, I asked you a question, then I took it back. That's my apology. <laughs> but the reason I say that is because it was interesting to me. Flounder comes in. He's a guy that's kind of flipped yeah. because of some of the intangible stuff, some of the reports that we've gotten from the workouts. And Wes, I know you've been conflicted because you value that a lot. You value work ethic. You value the intangibles. Yeah, it's mentality. Why you, yeah, you value mentality. It's why you are so, okay, here's someone in Bryce Young that's putting up Star Wars numbers, winning the Heisman, being with the Alabama program. Oh, and the dude is one of the best leaders we've seen. Yeah. What are we doing? And it seems like you value that a lot, maybe with Scoot, who seems to have that more than Brandon Miller, at least on the outside. Yeah, and I can see where he's coming from, talking about overthinking it and, and going off of the last thing, prison of the moment, however you want to say say it but I think there's a lot to be said for a guy that understands the assignment you know this is your future at stake you know you are potentially playing to be the number two pick so you're going to come in there ready to rock and roll and I think that speaks to how you're going to approach games uh it speaks to how you're going to approach your job in general it 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 comes across entitled when you're not ready, it comes across as lazy. Uh, it just comes across in a, a lot of different ways when you have that big of an opportunity in your fingertips and you decide to show up unprepared. So that's my thing is that if he's coming in there not ready to go, you have a better workout because Mike's watching you like, OK, so then what's going to happen after I hand you this check? You got this money. Then are you just going to decide to do, you know, play and practice and, and, and work hard when you feel like it or work hard once we kick you in the pants? No, I don't want that. Self-motivation and self-motivated players are among some of the greats in sports. You can't really point to a great athlete in any sport 
that wasn't self-motivated. You can go Kobe, MJ, Brady, take your pick. All these guys, you didn't have to tell them anything. They were ready to go from the jump. I think Scoot Henderson has that trait as evidenced by these workouts and different things that we've read and seen. So, yeah, that would that would give him a little bit of an edge for me in my mind. There is so much content to get to. We're not going to do it. We're going to give people a break. But I really could have a three-hour show today talking solely about this draft. We're not <laughs> going to do it, do though. It. I promise. No. We'll, we'll give the people some Panther convo. We have Thomas Davis in here. I do want to know Thomas Davis's Hornets thoughts, though. I mean, is there has there been anybody in the history of fandom that has appeared more on the Jumbotron than Thomas Davis over at the Spectrum Center? <laughs> yeah, I don't baby. think. <laughs> who is? The who do you baby. think? The baby? Yeah. Not more than TD. Thomas He's a season Davis. ticket holder, though. I, I know. That's why my question, yeah, that's why I don't think there's anybody that's been, that's been on the Jumbotron more than Thomas Davis. We'll have to ask him that. I do want to hear his Hornets comments. Final thing, I promised my guy, Chad, from Belmont that we'd get to Mitch Kupchak's comment on the five draft picks that they have, not just number two overall. Here's what Mitch had to say on using him. I don't know if we'll draft all five players, okay? But if we do... And you look at our roster and you say, well, there's, there's no space for all five players. But if we do, then I think we're still in a good spot. Then there's a way to put those players, whether you stash them or you two-way them or you trade them down the road. So I don't feel we have to make a deal on the clock tomorrow because that's when most of this is going to happen. Yeah, I don't expect them to make all five draft picks. Mitch tells you the yeah, same thing. I think thing. it's going to be some wheeling and dealing. The CBA does allow you for three two-way contracts. The Hornets have used those. Bryce McGowan's was on one. That converted to um, a longer deal. And so they've made good use of some of that stuff that the CBA has allowed you to do. But, yeah, I don't expect. I mean, five draft picks. That is a lot of young dudes coming into this organization. I think we have time. Are we going to drop a, a debut or are we going to go to Alan Jackson, Fitty? What do you think? We're going to start with Alan Jackson. Okay. All right. We have two new Fitty Flash intros. We'll get to those a little bit later on in the show. Until then, here's Alan Jackson. It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. We're going to keep the NBA draft talk going. You guys saw that Victor Weminyama threw out the first pitch last night at Yankee Stadium, right? I did. What did y'all think of uh, the presumptive number one pick's uh, first pitch last night? Well, the pitch wasn't great. Not going to get that twisted. But also, I think it's because the guy completely covers the baseball while holding it. You saw the picture. Yeah. That's what I care about. So it wasn't a great. It, it's like Shaq trying to shoot free throws. The ball's too small. Shaq was shooting a tennis ball. If that's the case for him, you have 7'5", Wimbenyama trying to throw a baseball. It's like trying to throw a penny to home plate. I don't, yeah, I have no problem with the throw. I just was in awe about him gripping the baseball and completely covering it, watching the baseball vanish. Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a crazy pitch through it, a little bit wild. So luckily, basketball for him has worked out because pitching would not have been in his future. I heard Mac and Bone talk about this this morning. On Dallas, he was walking off the field. He uh, he threw the baseball into the crowd. I, maybe this is a stretch. I feel like the NBA should intervene and force the Spurs to reconsider his off-the-court decision-making. Yeah. And allow <laughs> Wimby to fall to tail. No, I think that's true. Yeah, I think you should have kept that baseball if the Hornets, you know. It'll be a tough decision. I'm not saying you immediately jump on Wimby. <laughs> Please do it, Mitch. But, yeah, I mean, I do think that it would be something that the Hornets would have to seriously consider. Plenty more draft talk. <laughs> Campus Corner coming up next as well. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit up that text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials, bringing you all the content, the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram. HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. And Wes Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. Well, tonight my Deeks got a little bit of a rematch. Wake versus LSU Part 2. LSU took out Tennessee. So now the Demon Deacons will have to go through them again in a rematch of one of the great games of this College World Series tournament thus far. In that game, they both collected only five hits. They both went two for eight with runners in scoring position. The starting pitchers both walked four battles and struck out at least nine hitters. And the two bullpens pitched three innings apiece and did not give up a lot of runs. Wake Forest has trailed after five and a half innings in each of their first two games in Nebraska and have not led after seven and a half innings in either of those two games. But with the great bullpen, some timely hits, they are still undefeated. Do you think that the Deeks stay undefeated and take out LSU in their rematch? Yeah, I have no problem going with the team that's 54-10. and 10. I have no problem with going with the team that's undefeated on this run, potentially to a college baseball championship. I have no problem with doing that, especially with them having so much strength, not only in the batter's box, but also on the pitching mound. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wake Forest until they prove that they can't win any type of game, right? Until they prove that somebody else can come in and beat them in a close or a blowout way or blowout fashion. I just don't see it happening. No, I'm going to continue to ride with Wake Forest all the way until they lose and really until it's done. I mean, even if they lose once, right? The fact that they have been so dominant, I don't know how you can pick them to lose twice. Right, and then and you see the fact that uh, this team, they're going to be playing, like I said, that rematch tonight. I can't wait to see it. I want to see how LSU is going to come out and be because uh, the pitching was very hard to hit. Their starting pitcher in the last matchup 
he played really, really well. So the Deeks don't have to worry about that tonight. And you remember what they did. Ty Floyd was that pitcher for LSU. And you remember what they did to Alabama. They played a close game with them. And then they 22-5 them. So we'll see if they do that. But also uh, making the rounds. And I heard a little bit about this yesterday uh, from some coworkers that were at the ACC tournament. But Wake Forest and their celebrations. Uh, a naughty bunch uh, these young men are. And some footage surfaced online of Dan. Corona, who has been a monster for the Deeks in the postseason, uh, with a celebration in the locker room post game, to which he jumps up on the couch, uh, mounts his teammate, and is thrusting in his face. So, wow. Okay. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna just ride on into this, huh? Yeah. Do you have uh, issues with the Deeks and, and some of their antics? There are some more uh, as well that I could reveal. But uh, are you uh, with this? I promise it's funny because I promised the people we wouldn't do NBA draft talk the entire day. Yes. And we would hit on other topics. And this is the, this is the one we're going to get to. This is the one where the video it's uh yeah, it's interesting. It's it's pretty weird. <laughs> I imagine that a lot of videos that would be in locker rooms post big time moments, post championships would see a lot of stuff that is not going to be the most enlightening and the most endearing with some of these guys celebrating big time victories. Yeah, I can't remember uh, celebrating at any point uh, like this in the locker room. Also said, too, that uh, I heard yesterday that they like to cup touch uh, in the okay. dugout. You I've know. seen that before. Yeah, so you you've you've witnessed that. So yeah, so that's interesting as well. Uh, Mac, you want to dive a little deeper into any of the cup touching and stuff like that? <laughs> no. no, you want to move on. All, All this right. stuff is foreign to me. I, I was not with a lot of that stuff when I was playing. I don't remember those types of celebrations. So that's why well, I thought Yankees it was interesting. The Yankees did this. The Yankees would do that when they would. I, if I'm not mistaken, I thought that was the team that would also celebrate that way, and they would. <laughs> I'm just yeah. It's they amazing. would pelvic tap, if you will. You know, it's amazing. They can't grow beards, but touch cups is allowed. By the way, if if someone here was a cup toucher at WFNZ, wouldn't it be Willie P? I think it'd be you, Fitty. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. What are you talking? Yeah. How does this get turned around on me? Do I look like a guy that does that? You could have just. I didn't wear a cup. You could have just skated on by, but you had to ask the question, and I will give you my real thoughts. I think you would be the guy. Okay. That's what I think. So Mac Brown. <laughs> We know he's been in the media a lot this summer for different topics, talking about that and Tar Heels football. And so he says a lot of coaches have been on the trail telling recruits that he is going to quit or, uh, well, basically that he's going to retire. And some of those coaches got fired. So he says they need to worry about their own jobs and then also thanked the opposing recruiters who are going around telling kids that he is going to retire. Do you think that's fair or foul when coaches use uh, ammo like that when talking to recruits? I think everybody does it, and ultimately it's going to be up, up to Mac Brown to try to convince these recruits to come to Chapel Hill, and he's done a pretty good job ever since coming uh, over to North Carolina the second go-around. But yeah, this is always going to be something that happens with coaches where, I mean, you even had this with the basketball teams, you know, like you, you have this all the time. So while it does feel a little dirty at the same time, I don't know how you're going to stop any of it because coaches are going to do the same thing. And if ultimately you think that is a concerning factor and that is going to be one of the reasons that you can land a top recruit, then these coaches are going to continue to say stuff like that. Yeah, I agree 100%. I wasn't surprised by this. Mac Brown still showing, though, that he's definitely fighting 
hasty letting these guys know I hear you, I see you, I hear you talking that yang yang, but I'm not going anywhere. But yeah, this is just fair game. Coaches are going to use any ammo they can to get top recruits. And so uh, Mac Brown, he knows this. Everybody else knows this. So uh, just interesting banter coming from old Coach Brown. But when we come back, it's time running out on this Panthers draft class. Which one is it? We'll tell you when we come back. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.